With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. All right, welcome back to another episode of Shade the Blue Soccer Show. Uh, this is Thad, your normal host. I believe we have Mike and Ben on the line again tonight. Ben, are you there? Yes, I am. This is Ben Gartland from the Blue Testament, one of one of their many fine writers. Uh, we also have Mike Kuhn on from Down the Byline. He is their premier writer. You on, Mike? <laughs> I am here. I would say you were the number one writer at Down the Byline, wouldn't you? <laughs> I, I, I think that's I think that's correct. <laughs> All right, uh, let's see. Let's let's dive right in. We uh, had another game here in Kansas City recently. Philadelphia came in, wasn't wasn't horrible, but was another uh, not the best result for Kansas City. Mike, you want to want to lead off with some thoughts on it? Sure. I mean, the the Philly game, really, Philly just seems to have our number at, at home uh, for the most part. I think at Sporting Park, we've won, uh, won just, uh, I actually, I think just once against them uh, at home since Sporting Park opened. Um, and that was, um, the, that was the end of uh, the 2012 season, I believe, since then. I mean, their last three games—they've won two, and now now the draw. I mean, they're they're becoming a, a bogey team for us at home um, in, in that regard. But I mean, it, it was it, it was a, what's been kind of a typical game for for Philly against us. They they give up possession, we get a, we uh, control the game, but we we can't finish again, and that's that's kind of become not just the tale of the Philly game, but tail of basically every game we have at home for the most part of things. Ben? Yeah, and I'm going to agree with Mike. This game was just very frustrating from a Sporting Kansas City perspective because it, it was a team that you would think that Sporting would be better, better than, and we've seen Sporting do well against these teams until we get them to Sporting Park. Um, and yeah, Sporting Kansas City finally got to go in the second half when uh, Zizzi scored, and then he was inches away from another one, and it looked like that they had 
the game of control in control there, and then Philadelphia comes back and scores and uh, and almost uh, re- retook the lead. Uh, almost took the lead because they had a couple more chances late, and it's just this isn't a performance that you would expect from the team that's currently leading the Eastern Conference, and I. I think this, yeah, the sport is still the same as right now. There's games at hand everywhere, but it, it, it's amazing to me that looking at the current home record, four six and one, four wins, six draws, one loss, that this team can be on top of the league right now. That just is a testament to their good form. It is, it is amazing how good they are on the road versus being at home. Um, mm-hmm. And we can probably we can probably dig into that really in depth in uh, another episode here, especially if they go on the road and win in Vancouver. I think it'll be a perfect time to just make that contrast. Um, yeah. But in this game against Philly, we had another lineup. The we haven't had the same lineup out there. I don't think all year. It, we had a new appearance, the first league appearance for uh, Jorge Claros, uh, Peterson at left back, Ellis in the center again, center back. Most of the rest of the people where you kind of expected them. Um, we continue to pull out results even though we don't have the same lineup. Is that just a good testament to to the depth for Sporting Kansas City? Uh, ben, you want to take that one first? Uh, definitely. And you look at uh, all the different combinations that Sporting Kansas City has had to throw after this season, and considering the opening day lineup um, has changed so much between now and then. Um, they went into this year with a game plan of having Uri Rozelle uh, be, be, being what he is um, in, in the back of the midfield, being a distributor and also being um, a tough midfielder to get past defensively. And then that had to close when he, was, when he transferred in May. Um, and then and then with all the injuries, with all the call-ups, and we saw Michael Cosmo that on Friday. Um, Beasler was out, Sonovic was out, so they had to kind of scrounge their depth, and they played very well defensively. There was a couple of mistakes. The goal was one of them. There was a couple of opportunities late, but for the most part, they still played really well with only one-fourth of their opening day defense. Um and one-fifth if we're counting goalkeepers. So that's really a testament to, one, how well they built the team, and, two, how well Peter Ramey's been able to develop players like Kevin Ellis. And um, I, I'm not going to say Igor Julial on defense because he hasn't been very good on defense thus far, but he's still he, – he, he, he's not a huge detriment on defense. Mm-hmm. Mike, what do you what do you think about those stats? That we only have we only had one out of our five starting defenders <laughs> in that game. I mean, I I think it, it really speaks to uh to 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 Vermes and what he's done with this team, what he's been able to do with getting the uh get, getting the players to to commit to the system that the that uh that he's put in place. Um, any other year, and the fact that we're we're on top of the supporter shield standings at the moment, um, with, with playing not never playing the same same lineup in in uh, at, at all this season. Any other year, and, and I think Vermi is, is the runaway candidate for for a coach of the year at, at this point. Unfortunately, I I think at this point it's it's Olson's. But I mean, any other year, and, and we're we're. Burmese is getting lauded the the league over for for how well he's done in, in managing the situation and and he still is but I, it's it, the job he's done this year is probably his his best coaching job period e- even more so than uh than 2011 pulling the team back from uh for, from the horrible road trip to start the season this this has just been a a fantastic job he's done in, in getting Getting everybody to buy in, being able to overcome the injuries, the transfers, the suspensions, the call-ups, every, and still being able to uh, to get the team to win, to get them to get results, not just at home, which for the most part, for most teams, is considered a given, but specifically on the road, um, it, it speaks volumes to how well he he's got this team coached, how well he's got them prepared, 
and all of that. So it's really it speaks the most to to how Burmese coaches this team. And I think it's a combination of how well he coaches the team, but how well he built the team also. You have a guy like Peterson who can fill in multiple spots. I mean, I don't think a lot of people thought of him as being an outside back. You know, people thought he was going to be a winger or, you know, midfielder and things like that. But filling into that outside back spot, which is much like a winger in many systems anyway, but uh, Ellis filling in at center back and just always finding another guy to plug in, is that is that all – is that as much a, a look at how he's coached or how much or how well he's done as the technical director for finding these guys, having them in the system, having them on the bench like Olam, um, that they can do all these multiple roles? And even even Benny this year, that now that one I will say coaching <laughs> more than scouting or more than uh, technical director, but he moving him back to uh, defensive mid for a while this year when they were really shorthanded. I don't know if I actually asked the question there. But. I, I think it. I, I think it speaks more to his coaching, really. I mean, we 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 knew that he he was a good technical director. I mean, we we've seen that the last the last few years with, with the players that he's brought in. Not just not not really not just even under him as head coach, but also with Anolfo, some of the players that that he brought in as well um, that that were able to contribute. I, I think it, it really this year he's shown much more better as a coach. I mean, the the last few years we, we've had questions about him as a coach, calls that, oh, he needs to go back to just being a technical director or or, or those sorts of things. But I, I think this year, with everything that's happened, it's it's shown his ability to coach. It's shown his ability to uh, to game plan and, and all of that more, more than it's shown his, his ability as a technical director. Fair enough. Do you have something to add there, Ben? Um, not too much. You basically covered all of it, just that. And I was going to bring this up, too. It seems that Vermeese is getting better as a coach, and he's bringing in the players that he scouted and as as technical director. So he's getting players who are going to fit his system well, uh, most of them at least. Um, and... It, it makes it a whole lot better when he's controlling both who's coming in and where they're going to play. So now he can game plan from the off season. He can game plan the middle season, and then you they bring in Jorge Claros, who seems to fit right into Burmese system. Um, and it, it's stuff like that that he it, it seems that he's being able to translate his job as a technical director into getting better as a coach and and as a result this team is better for us. That's uh, one of the things people I think fail to remember when they've criticized him in the last few years for his coaching, you know, when to make subs or some of these other factors is that in reality he was a rookie head coach at that point. Um yeah. You know, he 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 was an assistant with the national team U twenty, twenty threes, whichever it was. You know, he coached youth teams, but quite a bit different than game planning against uh, Siggy Schmidt or uh, Bruce Arena or somebody like that or, uh, or Dominic Kinnear, who we really know about that one. Um, but it, it was he was he was really a rookie coach, so he he has been learning from that aspect. He's been learning on the job as he goes. And he's done a pretty good job of that, at, at least at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. I remember one of the biggest complaints, at least a few years ago, was um, his subs and when he one when he was making them into who he was bringing in. And it seems like those complaints are getting less and less now. And I think one of them is just kind of the respect that the fan base is getting for Burmese because. Like you said, he was a rookie head coach, and that when the team would would struggle, um, they they'd be kind of calling for him. But now that he's established himself as a uh, decent coach in MLS, it's able. He he. It, it, it seems that people aren't going to complain about it as much because it's that he's proven that he knows what he's doing. We do see less and less fans complaining after a two or three game uh, losing streak. You know, calling for his head, saying. Uh, we knew he could not do it all along. I mean, we we still see some of those, though, don't we, Mike? Mm-hmm. Just a few. 
Um, coming out of that game, like I so said, we felt pretty good with our depth, but w- another part of that depth is the keeper, Andy Grunebaum. Uh, I don't. I just say it the way I say it. I don't have any clue if I'm doing it right. I usually call him Andy G. Uh, he's not been playing bad, although he's given up, I think, a, a goal a game or close to it since he's taken over for uh, Kronberg. Has he played well enough that there's a, a little bit of a goalkeeper controversy brewing? Has he... Is people starting to look at him as being the guy who should be starting over Kronberg. Is is that even a question out there? Do you guys see that anywhere? Mike? I mean, I've seen it around. I've, I, it's something that I, I think is I, – I'm personally of the opinion that a starter doesn't lose his spot to injury unless there's an overwhelming difference in, in the way the backup plays compared to the starter. Uh, and really, for the most part, while, while Grunbaum, I, I think, has played very well in, in goal for us, he, he, he saved us against Philadelphia, in my opinion, with, with some very nice saves. But overall, um, I, I'm, it, it's, it's still Kronberg's spot, in my opinion. It, it's still his, his position. He's still the starter. When he comes back, uh, I, expect him, uh, I expect him to be in goal. But, I mean, that, that's not to say that... Uh, that having uh, Groombaum in net um, is is a downgrade. It's not. I think having Groombaum basically, and this is looking forward, but with Groombaum looking towards the, uh, the the expansion draft, it just means that we'll likely expose both players and won't have to protect the keeper um, in the in the draft unless. Um, Basically, unless one of them gets taken, then we can uh, pull the other one back. But I, I just can't. I, I just think it's been a been a very good performance for him, but not one that I can see him uh, replacing Kronberg for. Ben, yeah, I feel the I feel the exact same way. Um, Andy has played very very well but I don't think that he's necessarily been an overwhelming upgrade over Convert. There are things that he's better at, and there are things that Convert's better at. Um, and you were talking about the expansion drafts. I, I really do think that's what Spunny can't see had in mind when they traded for Grunbaum uh, back uh, in December so that you now have two MLS-worthy starting keepers you're able to leave one open in the expansion draft, and then when it gets taken, you take the other one back. I think that it's more likely that uh, Andy would be taken than Kronberg, uh, just because Andy has more starting experience with Columbus. But um, if one of them gets taken, you pull the other one back, and now you've got your set goalie for next year. So I think Sporting have played this really, really well, and I think that Andy has played well, but I think it's Eric. I think it's Kronberg's job when when he gets back in the next couple weeks. Now, I'm gonna I'm gonna be just a little bit contrary here. A lot of people, I, I I've actually heard some people saying cause, about how they think there's a little bit of keeper controversy brewing. I really don't think there is. Period. Because I think Kronberg has played better than Grunebaum so far this year. I think. Kron, uh, Kronberg had a couple, three, four bad goals he gave up at the beginning of the year just because he came out, he was a little too anxious, maybe, you know, trying to prove that starter spot. But after that, he's kind of settled down and, you know, he's given up goals. But he had a significant number of uh, shutouts through that time period also. Grunebaum has given up one goal in every game that he's played uh, as a starter for us. Not one shutout yet. Am I reading too much into that? I think you are a little bit. I mean, he, and to be honest, he has had a shutout, but I'm I'm now going to play the all-competitions card on you uh, and the Minnesota United, <laughs> Minnesota United game uh, on that. But, Fair enough. I mean, it, he, I, I, think, I think it's a little bit um, – I, I think it I, – I don't know. I don't know if you can speak too much to it. I mean, in, in the uh, in the five league games he's started, um, three of them have been on the road. Now, granted, two of them are Columbus and Montreal, but I mean, the are while we're good on the road, we we haven't always been a great team in getting getting shutouts uh, on the road. Basically, in in, uh, in our other road games this year, 
uh, we actually we actually only have uh, two road shutouts. Uh, I'm sorry, three road shutouts this year, and that's against the likes of uh, Portland, uh, Montreal, and Houston. Now, two of those three are not exactly playing well this season, Montreal and and, uh, and Houston. And with Portland, honestly, Portland had, at the time had been having problems of their own scoring goals. So uh, a shutout there wasn't overly surprising. So it's not like with uh, with Kronberg we've been uh we've been playing play, playing uh lights out on the road and shutting out everybody. And and then the the two home games have been against a rounding into form LA and then Philadelphia and Honestly, I thought Groombaum played fantastic against Philadelphia, and there there really wasn't much he could do on the one goal he conceded. So while while it's while while he's given up one goal a game, I don't think it it it's as bad as it you you would consider it. Fair enough, Ben. I don't know if you ever had. Yeah, um, and, and I think that bringing up the Philadelphia game is what's kind of driving this um, discussion amongst people who are kind of saying who's going to be keeper, uh, Andy or Eric. Because um, in the Philadelphia game, he did play fantastically. There was that one great save um, on the curling free kick right before halftime. There was a couple of really good saves um, where he was able to come out and block it. So I think the Philadelphia game was kind of um, kind of like an announcement that he's almost – it's almost like that he's trying to fight Klonger for the starting spot. Um, and I think the Philadelphia game has been his best performance – so far, and I'm I'm interested to see if he can keep it up now. It all depends on what kind of shots the other teams are taking. We got Vancouver uh, this weekend. They've got Morales, who's very dangerous. So they'll probably get a, a few shots. And then, like Mike said, they we always seem to give them more goals on the road, which typically means more shots. So we'll see if Andy can continue his high level of play um, that he exhibited in the Philadelphia game. All right, fair enough. Um, just one last throw in there is uh, with the expansion draft next year and the potential of one of those guys being taken, is Kempen the uh, is is Kempen ready to step into that backup role? From what he's done in Oklahoma, from what little we saw him in the Man City game, does he give you confidence that he can be a, a decent backup, not the starter yet, but a decent backup? I think he can. I think he can step up and be uh, be, be the primary backup. Um, my question more so is if uh, if Kansas City would really want him to at at, at this point. Um, I, I think the key for him right now is, is more than anything is getting games. And while as a, as uh, the primary backup, he he would he would get the Open Cup games. He he would get the. Uh, the Champions League games most likely, so he would get some game time, but not not the not the number he would get out on loan. So I, I could see a situation where we uh, where we bring in a semi-veteran keeper, not not one with the experience of Grunbaum, but one with uh, some to to back him up and have have Kempen get one more season uh, of good playing time on on loan to uh Oklahoma City or if we set up our own uh own USL team I I just I'd like to see Kempen get one more good season of games in before we make him the primary backup mm-hmm. Yeah definitely um I I I want him to stay at least one more year with Oklahoma City. Um, and one of the reasons is I want him to work under Nielsen. Um, and I, I think that he's he's done fairly well at Oklahoma City. And being able to get um, 90 minutes every week, sometimes twice a week, um, is invaluable at this point. So he's able to learn without damaging the club, without damaging the big clubs because you have – Two good, two good keepers up there, starter and backup, and so I'd really like him, like you said, to go and get a semi veteran keeper to play backup to whoever's going to be keeper, and that's only if 
one of them gets taken in the expansion draft. If, none of, if neither of them get taken, then we're in the same situation as this year, and it actually works out better for the club. But I want Kevin to get as much playing time as possible so that he continues to grow in, in his development stage so that when he steps into that back of role, he's able to step in and be a very quality keeper when he's called upon um, if the keeper gets injured in the open cover seat. Cool. Um, big event coming up here in a couple days, the All-Star Game. I know that's uh, one of Mike's favorite topics because he loves to see sporting players actively participate in those All-Star Games, don't you, Mike? Of course. <laughs> and for anybody who doesn't know Mike, they should know that I'm being completely facetious about everything I just said. Um, Dom was just announced to the All-Star Game a couple days ago, or Sunday, actually yesterday, I believe. And it was I thought it was pretty well-deserved. Uh, were you... Ben, were you surprised he was uh, called up? No. Once I saw that uh, Defoe had gone down with an injury, I was not surprised at all that Dom got called up. It's looking at we we had this discussion a couple weeks ago where the only real aberration was Landon Donovan. Um, at the fourth, all all the other ones were fairly deserving from this year. But, and then when one and then we could not see anyone else that'd be above. Wired if someone got injured. So he was the first call up. I'm not surprised at all that they, they brought him in. How about you, Mike? You ready to see Dom go in and uh, score against Bayern Munich? I, actually, I'm I'm more surprised that he that that he did get brought in. And it's more because, and I guess I shouldn't be because it goes back to MLS being MLS, but. Um, the and it's really just all all paperwork stuff that that is the reason why I was surprised he made it. The the collective bargaining agreement, the the game day roster for uh, Wednesday's game is going to be 23, but the league has to name 32 players to the roster, and the collective bargaining agreement states how many players in each position can be named to the roster. It says only seven forwards can be named. Well, seven forwards were named to the 23-man roster that was announced by uh, by Porter and Garber. So the fact that um, the, the fact that Dwyer was added actually goes against what's in the current collective bargaining agreement, which mm. is the one reason why I was surprised that uh, that Dwyer was included. Now I'm sure the league will get around this by uh, by. Uh, re uh, reallocating Donovan to uh, to a midfield position or something like that, because while uh, while Keen and Defoe are no longer all stars on the 23 man roster, they're still going to be included in the in the 32. I don't know. Maybe Defoe waived his uh, prize money to give to Dom. <laughs> he he could probably do that and not feel too much pain. <laughs> I just love the fact that it was uh, Dom called up for Defoe because of uh, Dom's, you know, looking up to Defoe when he was a teenager and being the one that went and got his uh, jersey after the Toronto game here. That was just kind of poetic that it would be bot that he would take. Well, it's a good thing he got Defoe's jersey that game because <laughs> it was announced tonight that Defoe probably won't be available for a couple weeks now. Yep. Uh, I'm really not going to feel too bad about that, though. No. Yes, it's just this one continue will mm-hmm. miss Defoe twice when they take on Toronto on, uh, I believe it's the 16th, when they come yep. to Sporting Park. Would be a good chance for uh, Grunebaum to get that home shutout. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago a little bit, but the, the format for the All-Star game. Um I don't know if we have a ton of time left if we want to talk about that or just blow it off till next year. But I still think the I still think the All Star game should be back to uh, East versus West or US versus uh, you know, international players in MLS or guys, you know, A through M versus N through Z's or something, some format. It, with the game just a couple days away, are we looking more forward to it because it's Bayern Munich than it would be if it was all All Star you know, all MLS all stars, all stars. I personally, I I think 
I think the games East versus West are more fun. I think more people try people try to make more out of the games against the uh, against the foreign teams on both sides of the argument. The the argument that MLS is catching up and the argument that MLS is further behind. I think both sides make make too much out of any result that you get out of the out of the All Star game. I just think the East versus West is is more fun. It's it's more laid back. I think, um, and, and this goes to my bigger point of the All Star game. I think you would have less. I, I think with players not with players on opposing teams not being in preseason, fighting for jobs, fighting for playing time, you might get a little more laid back from the players, and you wouldn't get the injuries that I so love our players getting in the All Star game. Mm-hmm. True. How about you, Ben? You looking forward to Bayern Munich or don't care? Uh, not, not really. I mean, the only I, I, I typically don't follow um, German soccer very much. I, it's usually just England and Poland, um, but that's for an entirely different reason. But so I, I usually don't get to watch Bayern Munich. The, the only re, re, real thing that I'm interested in seeing is seeing Julian Green because uh, he went on the travel roster. Um, and could get an appearance in this game. I'd like to see him against some of the All-Stars. But other than that, I, I'm not a big fan of the All-Star game anyways. Um, I'm, I'm trying to predict who's going to be our injured All-Star this year because um, it was Colin in 2012 and then Juicy last year. So it's either going to be Dwyer or Beasler this year. I'm just waiting I'm just waiting for it to happen. And I don't know. I'm gonna be. I I I actually won't be watching anyway, just because uh, I'll be at the FC Kansas City game on Wednesday. Uh, well, same here. I'll be recording it and coming back and watching for any of the highlights. Um, mm-hmm. n- nice segue there. Transition into FC Kansas City. Uh, flipping around our little agenda just a wee bit, but um, they played to a one-one draw with the best team in NWSL, Seattle Rain. Um, I know you were there, Ben. How do you think uh, FCKC was playing that day? Uh, I'm going to pair it um, what Amy Rodriguez said after the game, and that's that in the first half they outplayed them. And that's the picture. They got the early goal. Uh, Rodriguez was Rodriguez a scorer there. Uh, Holiday to Rodriguez again. We've heard that a lot of times this season. And they were controlling possession. They were training lots of, of opportunities. They were forcing Solo to make saves. Um, and they were holding their own on defense. They were able to keep the Nima Rouge back. And uh, I, I really liked their play from the first half. Now, in the second half, it seemed that the midweek game against Washington was starting to wear down on them. They started to get a little tired, and then Seattle scored the equalizer. But um, this team is good, and they've shown that they can match up with really good teams, but only at home so far. Um, they've been able to beat Portland at home. They've been able to tie Seattle at home. But they go up to the Pacific Northwest, they go to Seattle, they go to Portland, and it's just an entirely different story. So if they meet in the NWE South Championship, uh, they clinch a playoff spot uh, during that game with Chicago's loss. If those two teams meet in the NWSL Championship. It's going to be in Seattle. I think it's going to be an entirely different game. But if Kansas City hosts a game, if Seattle gets knocked out first round, I, I really like their chances um, in the playoffs. And so two more games left. We're starting to look at that now. It really all depends on where they're going to play because they've shown that they can play really, really, really well at home. They've been in four draws, I think, their losses. But on the road, they're just simply not as good. So they're, they're hoping in these last two games for that first round home game and then someone to knock off Seattle in the other semifinal. Good, um, have you had a chance to watch any more of them lately, Mike? Yeah, I actually caught the uh, caught the second half of, of the game on uh, actually on uh, Metro Sports or whatever its actual name is now that I, that I can't remember. But I mean, I, I thought the, uh, after following the first half kind of on, on Twitter a little bit, uh, because I was out, I thought it sounded like Kansas city was, was the, was the better side in the, in the first half. The second half, it just seemed like 
everything was down down in in their defensive third from what I was watching. <clears throat> There'd be breaks forward, but for the most part, um, FCKC was on on their heels uh, the entire time, and the goal the goal was coming the the entire time I was watching. So it, it was just a matter of time. And honestly, if if not for that late save by Barnhart, um, they, they should have likely lost that game. Um, that was a very nice save. Uh, I can't remember who it was on, but it was uh, the ball that was headed towards the back corner. Uh, late in the second half, that she tipped onto the crossbar and out. Yeah, yeah if, you, if you'd seen the uh, first half, I think you would have seen the exact same saves by Solo uh, in that first half. It was it was really almost mirror image halves where uh, FC Kansas City was in Seattle's half mo- way more than Seattle was in FC Kansas City's half. Uh, the, the Blues had a lot of good shots. Solo had to make some good saves. Uh, they probably had a couple that they should have put away but didn't, you know, the typical Kansas City story right there. But it, it, they were the better team. Um, now, going back to what Ben was saying about if they do meet in a championship game, because I really think at this point if there's three teams that if they play their game have a chance of going to the championship at this point. It, it is Seattle, Kansas City, and Portland. Um, Portland has played really well at times and played really poorly at times. Uh, but they, I think they stand the best chance of of being that other team. Uh, clearly, the two best right now is Seattle and Kansas City. If they do meet in the playoffs, it, uh, it would be in Seattle. But that game that when Kansas City played in Seattle last time, it was it was a three two loss, and Kansas City was far from having their best lineup out there. Um, at that in that game, their outside back was uh, Nia Williams. I don't remember who was hurt. Uh, Oh, I guess uh, Coleman was hurt at that time. And she's good, but not as good as Coleman or uh, LaPelbit can be as an outside back. Uh, Tim Rack didn't come in until, um, you know, two-thirds of the way through the game because she was coming off of injuries. They they were missing a lot of players also. They only had uh, one other non-keeper sub on the bench that wasn't used, so they were pretty shorthanded. They were also coming through a lot of the... Uh, that road trip, that long road trip at that point, I believe. So they they were a serious disadvantage when they played up in Seattle. Now, don't get me wrong. Seattle has been the class of the league, you know, with only one loss, a couple of ties. They've been the class of the league. But I think when we look at that, the, all the results, Kansas City is the one that's played them the best up, up there, even though they lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. Um, and they announced this weekend that the game would be at Starfire, which has been their um, stadium hall throughout the entire year. There are some rumors that it's going to be at, uh, I think it's Memorial. Up until that, I'm not too sure of their stadiums, but Starfire, it's, it's a nice little stadium. It's kind of a small atmosphere. It's where the Sounders play the U.S. Open Cup games, and so it should be. If that is the championship venue, it, it, it should be pretty decent. So I'm looking forward to these last two games. As you can see, has um, Boston on uh, Wednesday at home, and then they take on Chicago. I believe it's on Saturday night. Is that right, Ben? I believe so. Yeah, they take on Chicago in in uh, the uh, outlying suburbs of Chicago. Um, for the last, for Saturday, and the Reds are going to be fighting for a playoff spot, so that's going to be a an interesting game. So, Kansas City really needs to um, do well in these last two games to get that second place spot. Make sure that they host that home game because they beat Portland, uh, the likely third place team, um, one nothing at home. But in the games up in Portland, they've been outscored ten to three. So much better to play them in Kansas City. Especially, uh, Washington Spirit have overtaken uh, Portland for the third place spot. I knew I was wrong when I said that, but I was on a roll. <laughs> I just couldn't go back. Oh yeah, no, no, no problem. That's, trust <laughs> me, uh, I know how that goes, and usually it's it, usually it's, I rely on Mike to correct us, but I didn't think he probably had the NWSL standings memorized at the moment. <laughs> um, but yeah, Washington passed up uh, Portland. They're just they're one point ahead. So uh, 
Seattle's on 50 points, Kansas City's on 38, uh, Washington's on 34, and Portland's on 33. Uh, Red Stars with 28, Flash with 27. So those two teams have a possibility of sneaking in, but it's pretty likely that's your top four that I just ran through. Where that will still shake out a little bit. If uh, Kansas City wins on Wednesday, they can pretty much rest players on Saturday and not have to worry about home field advantage at that point. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's see. Rad. Go ahead. Yeah. I'd rather not uh, go into the last game of the season with stuff on the line, uh, considering what happened last year when they were leading the league until that last game where they gave up a couple of goals in Western New York ended up uh take Western yeah, Western New York ended up taking um the league on that last day and had they turned it over last year. I, if I'm correct, they would have had to travel in the championship game last year. So I'd rather not um, have to have stuff riding on that game against Chicago. Um, moving on a little bit, the other team that we cover here locally pretty regularly, uh, Comets. They're in the new league, the Major Arena Soccer League, which is a combination of the old MISL and PASL teams. At one point, it was up to 24 teams, and then 23, and then 22. And there's been two or three new teams and two or three teams leave, and I'm not even trying to keep track of most of those guys until the season starts. But uh, one of the big ones that just dropped out over the weekend is the Rochester Lancers with uh, their owner, CEO, Soccer Sam Salvatore Fataza. Sam, I'm going to mess your name up, so I'm just going to go with Soccer Sam from now on. Um he dropped out because uh, apparently he did not want to have be in a league where they had the single point scoring system. How much do you think that was going to affect his fan draw, Mike? I honestly think it would have affected it very little for the most part. I think that is a nice, easy cop-out for him. Um, from what I've been reading and seeing about the situation, there was a lot more to it than just uh, th- than just the uh, the multi the multi point system not being used. Had a, sounds like it had a lot to do with the lease at the uh, at the arena that they play in finances because apparently Rochester gave away quite a few uh, quite a large number of tickets for uh, for the games um, at, at at their arena as well, lots of freebies given out. So I think there was a lot more to it than that. And honestly, it's this story has actually grown apparently over the last couple of days. Apparently uh, Doug Miller for the Lancers wants to try to uh, save the team. And oddly enough, the team's Facebook account is pimping the fact that he is trying to save it. And, and They've also sent out emails to the to the season ticket holders saying that he's trying to save the team. So it, it, it's an it's an odd situation going on up there. It's only, it, it, it's a nice little story going on. I'm not sure what exactly the the end result's going to be. It's just odd at the moment. That that it is. Uh, although I, the one thing with uh, Soccer Sam, when he's had lease problems before, he's come right out and said, "Hey, I couldn't get a I can't get a lease," you know. And he's been really public about that sort of thing. Um, when Actually, when he was joining the league, when he had to fight to get out of the old MISL, which was you know a lot of controversy about that, that was one of the things he was talking about, is he needed to get his lease. And as he was coming out of it, he was talking about how he was getting the lease all organized and, and, and situated. So that, that's why a lot of people speculated that there's a lot more to it. But I, it's just so odd that that you know, people are speculating on this, but there's no there's no proof out there. There's nobody saying that that's what it really is. It's just speculation at this point. The only one that's saying what it is is Sam. Uh, ben, have you been following this at all? I'm following a little bit. I saw the article uh, where he said that he was going to drop out because of the uh, 
point system. So I don't know too much more about um, outside of that. Um, I, I do agree with him on the point system. I think it should remain as it was in the MISL, where you have the the, the two point or three point goals. Because I, I think that's a that's a lot more entertaining. And with indoor soccer, you can get around uh, cha- changing a lot of the rules for entertainment than you could with MLS. Uh, you're not going to have soccer purists um, in, in indoor soccer. Um, and uh, so I, I really like the idea of having the multi-point goals. It leads to more tries for bigger goals. It leads to um, uh, the, the better possibility of of comebacks, um, and some, and sometimes just seeing a team light up another team, just scoring three points after three points after three points, can be really fun um, for whenever they're scoring. For the end, it's not as fun, but I don't know. I, I think just going to a one a one point goal, it, it, it's just not going to be as entertaining. Now having 23, 24, however many teams they're going to have, instead of eight, is going to help offset that since you're seeing a wider variety of teams from a wider variety of the country. But I still like the. I, I still would prefer if they went back to the old point system. I think where where I get confused with with Sam's position that um, you know, his customers want the multi-point scoring system. But he's. Uh, I, I know with what Mike was saying about he gives away a lot of tickets uh, and you know kids that are age, certain age, get in for free and all that. But, but I've also seen the book he wrote on how they get sponsorships and what they what they charge and all these other things. I think I don't think he was losing money, or if he was, it wasn't a huge amount um, with giving away some of those tickets because he gets them in the door. He gets them in front of his sponsors. He, get them, he gets them in there buying, you know, hot dogs and sodas and all that sort of thing. He was. He had the largest attendance, whether you know half of them were paid or not. Even if he only took half of them being paid, that was still a a pretty fair attendance number for the rest of the league, and especially compared to the new teams coming into the league. So that that part I don't necessarily think was the issue. Again, I don't know. I've asked I've asked Sam for more detail, and he says it's all out there. It's what it is. Uh, he he said he he can't he can't. With good conscience, go sell a single point scoring system. I'm paraphrasing a little bit because I don't want to use the exact words he used. Um, it's, it just seems a little amazing that if he can get 7,000 people in there on a regular basis, that he can't get 6,000 of them in there on a regular basis with a single point scoring system. They should be used to the team now. They're fans. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That would be like, you know, sporting sold Zussi tomorrow. There'd still be eighteen thousand people showing up at Sporting Park at the next game. Yeah, yeah, when definitely. They, when they sold, when they sold Kai, there were still eighteen thousand people showing up at the stadium. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right. Uh, anything we did not cover tonight that I forgot or left off the agenda or just wasn't smart enough to throw out there, guys? This is your free reign to just sort of bring up anything, Mike. I got nothing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't have anything either. So I, I, I think we got everything covered. All the teams in Kansas City. All right. Um, do, uh, do you have any Where's Will John type of updates, Mike, or should we just call it a night? Oh, I think we need to call it a night. I got nothing. Um, <laughs> I, I got nothing worthwhile this week for uh, former. Well, here we go. Yeah, I guess I do have one. Uh, Kai uh, got stuck on uh, on the island for a couple days. I saw that. Um, Sierra Leone was supposed to play a uh, African Cup of Nations qualifier, and um, <clears throat> the country that they were playing, uh, I butchered the name, so I'm not even going to try. Um, but the country, yeah, the the country they were supposed to play would uh, didn't allow the rest of the team. Uh, that flew into uh, flew into Nairobi, Kenya. Wouldn't allow the rest of the team to uh, fly into the country because of the uh, the Ebola outbreak. Um, granted, most of Sierra Leone's uh, most of Sierra Leone's team was based is based abroad, but they brought I think like four or five players from uh, from. 
from the Sierra Leone League, so they were denied entry because of the um, because of the outbreak and because of the, that that uh, forfeiture. Uh, Sierra Leone goes into the uh, group phase with a chance to qualify for uh, for the uh, 2015 African Cup of Nations. Uh, they got put in a group with the Ivory Coast, Cameroon, and Congo. So uh, from September through November, they'll be looking to qualify for uh, for the African Cup of Nations in Morocco. That's a couple of tough teams they got put in there with uh, Cameroon and Ivory Coast. Yes, but at least unlike World Cup qualifying, the top two automatically qualify for the African Cup of Nations, and then the top uh, top third place team of all uh, all eight groups also qualifies. So they do have a better chance of qualifying for this than they do through uh, through World Cup qualifying. Cool. Uh, yeah, that's a. Uh... Pretty scary over there with all the uh, with Ebola being in Sierra Leone and Liberia and a couple other countries. And with I saw some tweets from Kai driving around uh, apparently in, or walking around in Sierra Leone. So I hope he stays safe. Yes, and I do I do have to kind of wonder why he hasn't uh, why he hasn't gone back to Middlesbrough, which would I guess add fuel to the fire of what's going on with his club contract at this point. Yeah, that's um I've kinda of wondered the same thing. He doesn't seem to be around Middlesbrough at all. And we'll maybe we'll have to see if we can get him on here through uh Skype or something. Alright. Alright, well I think that wraps it up for today. Uh this is Thad and I appreciate everybody listening. This is Ben. And this is Mike. Alright. Thanks a lot for being on guys. Thank you. Celebrate tonight. We're the final with the blows. You know we're gonna feel.